you are working, working in our lives, working things for our good, Lord. So, God, in this time, I pray you focus our hearts, Lord, that we can hear your truth tonight as it is taught. Um, God, that we're not distracted, that we're um, not thinking about anything else except you, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Oh, it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys can take a seat. Man, it's such an honor to be with you all this evening and diving into scripture from the Old Testament. But before we get into it, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Faith Little, and I grew up in Holton, Kansas, which is about 20 minutes north of here. And I graduated from Jackson Heights High School, and I'm currently studying at Fort Hayes State University in Hayes, Kansas, where I enjoy being involved in our campus ministry, Christian Challenge. And my connection to Fellowship Bible Church is that I was looking into the intern program this summer, and unfortunately that got canceled, but I've loved being involved, being able to stay involved through youth ministry training and getting the opportunity to teach you all tonight. I like meeting new people and building relationships, so I'm super stoked to meet more of you all later. So the Old Testament story of David is very near and dear to my heart. You see, my story and our story is a lot like David's. We all face challenges, trials, and temptations in life. David faced the challenge of King Saul, the temptations of Bathsheba, and the guilt of the murder of Uriah the Hittite. The story of David teaches us that even when we make mistakes, God still loves us. David is known as a man after God's own heart, and that's really encouraging to me because David had many ups and downs in his walk with Christ, but yet God still chose him to use him despite that. Today, we will be looking into a specific period of David's life, which is the time when David fought Goliath. And I titled this message, Faith to Withstand Evil, because in our day and age, there's a lot of evil going on in the world, and we all want to have the necessary tools to fight against it. I'm going to see if I can get my clicker to work here. So the story takes place in 1 Samuel 17, and there is a war going on between the Philistines and the Israelites. I found this great picture that illustrates the location of the war. And um, the Philistines were based in Sakaya in Judah, which can be found in the middle bottom of the picture. And they were camped in Ephsedamonin, which is the two cities between Sakaya and Ezekiah. And on the other hand, Saul and the Israelites were camped out in the valley of Elah, and both the Philistines and the Israelites accompanied one hill, and there was a valley in between them. So the Philistines' champion was Goliath, who was from Gath, and he was about nine feet and six inches tall. Um, in the picture I have shows how he compares to a normal soldier. Um, he was wearing armor all over his body, There we go. Um, and 
And um, just his coat alone weighed 5,000 shekels, which is about 125 pounds. David challenged the Israelites twice a day for 40 days, and he makes a bit of a deal with them. He says, if someone is able to fight and kill Goliath, the Philistines will serve the Israelites. But if Goliath wins, the opposite will happen. Goliath was defiling the name of the Lord and while he was doing this. So after hearing this, the Israelites and Saul were terrified. And this is where David comes in the story. David was born in Bethlehem, and he is the youngest of Jesse's eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Elaab, Abinadab, and Shamhai, were out at the battlefield, but David was back at home tending to his sheep. One day, David's father told him to go take his brother some bread, and while David was doing this, um, out of the David and David was doing this out of the kindness of his heart, but his brothers gave him quite the hard time for it. They told him that he was acting selfishly and being irresponsible. Um, but while this ha- was happening, David found out about the situation with Goliath. But David's response was different than the Israelites. David's first thought was not fear; he was concerned about the name of the Lord being defiled. David even found out that King Saul would give a great reward to the person who killed Goliath, but he was not concerned about that either. So you know how the story goes. David goes to King Saul and says, I'm going to fight Goliath. And can you imagine King Saul's response? He was probably like, you're joking, right? Oh, you're serious. Okay, so Saul tries to chalk him down. He's like, I don't know if this is a good idea. But David is like, Nah, man, growing up when I was taking care of the sheep, when a bear or a wolf came to attack, I struck it down and killed it. And God provided for me then, so he will provide for me now. And at this point, King Saul saw how confident David was, so he said, go, and the Lord be with you. Now, I love how David's response here was all about the Lord. It wasn't about his skill set or height or age. He wasn't focused on the rewards he was getting or what other people would think about him. David was focused on giving God's name the most glory, and we will dive deeper into this idea later. When Goliath saw David, he despised him. Going back a little bit, as they're getting ready for the battle, Saul tries to dress David up in his armor, but David just isn't used to them and he isn't comfortable in them. So instead, David chooses five stones from the stream and puts them into a pouch of his shepherd bag, and with a sling in his hand, he approaches the Philistine. When David saw Goliath, he despised him. He made fun of him and mocked him and cursed him by his gods. This didn't faze David. He responded with a lot of confidence. He knew that God was by his side and that the battle was the Lord's. When David won, he would give God all the glory. So the Philistine was moving closer to attack him, and David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. David reached into his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone stank his to his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. David took the Philistine's sword and cut off Goliath's head. And then, plot twist, the Philistines saw that their hero was dead. Then they became afraid and ran, and the men of Israel took over the Philistines' camp. So David triumphed over the Philistine without a sword, but with a sling and stone, he defeated him. So there's so much we can learn from David's story. Because although our challenges aren't an actual giant, we all have figurative giants in our life. These giants may look like fear. They may look like anxiety. Maybe this giant for you is comparison. 
this giant may be even you struggling to find your identity in Christ. Maybe you're looking to find your identity in something other than that, um, whether it's who you are as a student or who you are as an athlete. For me, fear used to be a big giant in my life. I used to let fear keep me from doing what God was calling me to do. I can remember a specific time in my life when I was so afraid, and that fear almost kept me from doing what would end up being one of my greatest accomplishments and favorite memories. And I can now say that uh, with confidence that my actions are no longer driven by fear. By diving into scripture, we see David model how to tackle giants efficiently. And we can apply some of these concepts we learned from David in our own life. So starting off, David was firm in his belief. He believed that God would protect him and provide for him. He looked back at his past of tending sheep. Whenever he was in danger, he called upon the name of the Lord. When a lion or a bear came to attack him, he would struck it down in order to keep the sheep safe. He felt like he already had experience in this area, so he saw the challenge of Goliath no different. God had provided in the past. David believed that God would fight for him again. In 1 Samuel 17, 36-37, David said, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Another way David showed his firm belief was that he felt the need to stand up for his God. When Goliath defiled the name of the Lord, David would not accept that. When we are strong in our beliefs, it's easier for us to stand up against evil. Similarly, when we store the word of God in our hearts, when we hear evil, it's easier to pick it out. David built a foundation of his faith when he was out tending to his sheep. In the ordinary day, God was preparing David for something extraordinary. So it's so important for us to have a foundation of our faith now that God will be able to build upon in the future. Even when trials came, David stood strong because of his foundation. When you're standing up against evil, you will undoubtedly receive a lot of criticism and discouragement. Don't be surprised when even the people closest to you will not stand by you when you decide to do what is right. The Bible says that David's brother was angry at him for coming down to the battle. And King Saul wasn't very confident in David's ability either. But David's faith still will not waver. In verse 33, Saul says, You were not able to go against this Philistine to fight him, for you were but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. I think at times when you feel called to do something, people will tell you that you're too young. But we know that in the Bible it says in 1 Timothy 4:12, Do not let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in love, in conduct, in faith, and in purity. David lived out this verse in his life, and he didn't let anyone that was older than him discourage him from doing what God had called him to do. David was bold and confident in his belief, and he wouldn't let anyone sway him. On the flip side, I think we can learn something from David's older brother as well. When someone comes and tells you that they feel called to make a step in their faith, do you discourage them or do you encourage them? I don't know about you, but I aspire to be someone to my family and friends who builds them up and urges them to follow Christ wholeheartedly. 
So raise your hand if you've ever played sports. Nice, a lot of you guys. So I'm going to use basketball as an example, but in any athletic pursuit, you have to know the basics before you can play the game. On the first day of practice, my coach would have a start off with tons and tons of drills. We would start dribbling the ball, shooting the ball, and defending an opponent. And then later on, we would start learning the plays we would use for the game. And this illustration shows the importance of preparation. Just like we prepare for the game of basketball, in life we need to prepare for the challenges of our, in our faith by being firm in our belief through scripture reading, prayer, and scripture memorization. Right now, we are young and at a critical time in our life to secure a devotion to God, and I cannot stress the importance enough of uh, building a firm foundation in your faith in middle school and high school. In college, one area I've grown a lot in is the spiritual disciplines of scripture reading and memorization. If you want to be able to recognize the truth, first you have to know the truth. Be able to defend your faith and share the gospel, because you never know when an opportunity will arise itself. We can also have firm faith to believe in God because of what he has done for us in the past. Just like David, we can look back at mountains in our life, thank him for them, and believe that he is mighty and all-powerful to move the next mountain. I like to consistently review my faith journey by keeping a journal of all that God has done in my life. This journal consists of prayers that God answered and prayers that God maybe didn't answer in the way that I had asked, but he answered them in a much greater way by growing my character. And whenever I'm lacking faith, because our spiritual memories tend to be a little bit short sometimes, I can read through this whole journal full of ways that God has moved mightily in my life. So secondly, David had a big view of God. So he believed God could do mighty works through him. And I think at times our view of God is too small. I think we have a box and we put him in a box and we close the lid, but God wants to be reverent over all the areas of our life. And I think at times we refrain from bringing our fears and worries to God, but God is just so big enough to handle it all. In Ephesians through 20, it says, now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us. And I was reading this verse a while back, and the question kind of hit me. I was like, do I pray like I'm praying to the God of the universe, fully believing that he's able to do far more than I could ask or imagine? Also, I have a question for you. What would you ask God for if you believe that he could do more than you could hope for and imagine? Would your prayer life look differently if this truth was instilled in your heart? David prayed big. He had a big view of God, and he knew that God was capable of doing more than he could think of or imagine. David used prayer in his life a lot to reinforce God's greatness. When you look at David's life, the, time he pray, the times he prayed, he was successful. You can just look at the Psalms and see David coming to God from many different situations. So have you ever uh, looked up at the stars at night and thought about how big the universe is? The Milky Way alone is between 100,000 and 150,000 light years across. And the whole of the universe is known to be 93 billion light years in diameter. 
And a light year is the difference that the distance that light travels in a year, which is nearly nine trillion miles. <laughs> Just like God, the size of the universe is so beyond my comprehension. If we want to face the giants in our life, we need to bring our request to God. We need to seek him daily and ask him for guidance and wisdom in the next step that we should take. One way I found to be helpful in prayer life is by keeping prayer cards. I'll write a person's name on each one and then um, go through a few every night. I used to put off prayer because I thought it was this big fancy thing, but by going through a few prayer cards a night, that really helps me make a habit of prayer and grow in my prayer life. Another strategy I've used recently is a prayer journal, and I'll break prayer down into all the different categories I can think of. So I'll break it into the world, my community, the church, um, global and local, and then um, my personal requests, challenges, goals, and dreams that I'm bringing to God. This helps me see just how much there is to bring to God in prayer. Another way that prayer is modeled in this passage is the importance of praying for transformation rather than protection. God didn't necessarily leave David to be in his comfort zone, but he did grow David in his faith as he led him to face Goliath. Most of the time, what God is teaching us through the trial is more important than our initial prayer being answered. And I loved how Amy did a great point hitting on, great job hitting on this point last week. So the third point I have is David's focus was on giving God the most glory. He wasn't concerned about his own image or the possibility of failing. Author Max Lucado has a book called Facing Your Giants, and if you haven't read it, it's a brilliant book, by the way. And one of the points Lucado makes in his book is focus on giants, you stumble. Focus on God, your giants tumble. And Lucado talks about how the key to facing your giants is by focusing on God more than you are focusing on your giant. Another great point Lucado makes in his book is that when looking back at the passage, David mentioned God nine times, and he only mentioned the giant two times. That means that David was focusing on God four times more than he was focusing on the giant. So in your own life, are you focusing on God four times as much as you're focusing on your difficulties? I think, I believe David had his sights set on God, and because of that, he wasn't afraid. Over 365 times in the Bible, it says, do not be afraid. That's a daily reminder from God to live every day being fearless. If David was focused on himself and how small he was compared to Goliath, he likely would have been very afraid. I think David internalized the verse, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think sometimes we remember the I can do all things part, but forget the through Christ who strengthens me. And it's so important to remember that it is through Christ, and he is the one that enables us to do all things. It's not by our own strength. So David was so fearless that he actually ran down the giant as well. In verse 48, it says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. So when was the last time you were proactive and chased down your giant? David also had his priorities right. His priorities did not reflect his own interest or his own agenda. 
David's priority was not his own comfort either. His priority was to give God the most glory. David said um, in verse 45 um, to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike off your head, and strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. David's story reminds us that God can use anyone who is willing He doesn't use us based off of our talents or successes. To the contrary, God loves using our weaknesses for his glory. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And this verse is one of my most favorite ever because it reminds me that God uses our weaknesses to show his strength. And there's so many details in this story that God uses um, David just to show how mighty that he is. So one way I like to focus on giving God glory in all the areas in my life is by asking, can I do blank for God's glory? For example, I cannot gossip for God's glory, steal for God's glory, or compare myself to someone else for God's glory because those actions are against God's commandments. I can, however, love others for God's glory, serve others for God's glory, or use my talents, gifts, and even weaknesses for his glory. If you can't do something for God's glory, then you probably shouldn't do it. Another way I like to check myself is by looking at motives. When looking at different areas in my own life that I'm committed to, I've been very convicted lately on my motives behind my involvement in different things. I've gotten into the habit of looking at my planner every day and pondering a very important question. Are my current commitments today driven by the desire to give God glory or the desire to give myself glory. And this has been so impactful in my life because it's been one way for me to be more intentional with my time. In my commitments every day, I'm able to reflect upon my real motive for doing them. If my motive for doing them is something other than God's glory, then I know it's not going to have a lasting impact. So when you catch yourself not having the right motive, just bring it to God. Just beg him for it. Just pray, God, I really want to have a lasting impact on your kingdom. Help me to shift my focus so that I can give you the most glory. Do, so do your current commitments reflect the building of your own glory or God's glory? So in conclusion, David modeled how to face challenges in our life by standing firm in our faith, having a big view of God, and focusing on giving God the glory. And these challenges in our faith and giants in our life are a lot to handle at times. The good news is we don't have to handle them alone. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to bear the weight of our sin and shame. But to receive this gift, we have to repent our sins and commit to following him. If you haven't had the chance to commit your life to Christ, I encourage you to talk to one of the adults this evening. It's definitely one of the best decisions you will make in your life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, 
Um, I just want to thank you so much for bringing us all together tonight. And God, I pray for the hearts of each and every person in this room. And God, you know them. And I pray that um, each person will walk walk away with something um, different something they can take from this message, whether it be standing firm in their faith, having a big view of you, or giving you glory. And God, um, I would pray that you just show yourself mighty in our life like you did, David, and um, we love you and praise you so much. Amen.